Hello, my name is Leszek Jaszczewski. Welcome to the Liberal Europe podcast, a European Liberal Forum project. I hope you'll enjoy our program. Hello, my name is Leszek Jaszczewski and this is a Liberal Europe podcast. Today we are going to discuss a Twitter takeover by Elon Musk, which was announced last week. And uh, my guest today is Maciej Kuziemski, a data program advisor at Digital Foundation, an expert of European Commission. Hello, Maciej. Hi, Leszek. Pleasure to be here. Great. Thank you for inviting our, for accepting our invitation. And uh, so let's get to the, to the point. Why Elon Musk has decided to buy Twitter? Uh, well, it's a billion-dollar question, or should I say, forty-four billion-dollar question. Um, I, I wouldn't know, and honestly, it is um, not a an extremely sound decision uh, business-wise, um, according to the experts. Um, but um, what we know um, is that uh, Elon must have some sort of plan um, for um, for Twitter. I wouldn't um, assume he would um, make such a decision on a whim. Uh, we will pr- probably um, in the months to come uh, what exactly um, is the plan. Um, I'd assume it's much more than just adding a um, an edit button to um, to, um, to, hmm. to Twitter. Well, um, and do, do we know what kind of plans he has for Twitter? We, we, we heard a lot about being a free speech, like a like very orthodox free speech supporter. Uh, do you think that we will see more of Donald Trump? He said something about uh, more uh, controlling of reducing fake profiles and fake news on Twitter. Do, do we know any any plans that he might have for this platform? Yeah, so, so um, well, there are some early signs, right? Um, obviously, Elon has been uh, for a for the long for a long time um, very critical of um, any sort of of what we he calls um, censorship um, on social media platforms, um, and he um, himself ca- calls himself a a a free speech uh, maximalist, right? But uh, what he means that by that uh, remains to be seen, right? He has also a track record of um, suppressing uh, free expression, for instance, uh, famously, he engaged with with, uh, legal offices to take down um, some of the unfavorable uh, pictures of himself um, from from the internet or or in the past has blocked uh, many of his uh, opponents or critics uh, on, on Twitter itself, right? Um, he, he made um, some comments uh, that would indicate the direction he wants to take with the platform, right? He, he, he tweeted, and I quote, by free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I'm against censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask governments to pass laws to that effect. Therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. Now, this is obviously not a new claim uh, in um, content moderation disputes, um, uh, but it has been challenged by many um, on the grounds that, um, well, first of all, um, there is uh, harmful content that technically is legal, and that's one of the claims, or that uh, it is very hard for the law and regulations to follow the kind of fast-paced um, and fast-changing uh, nature of, of how um, speech uh, online um, is uh, mediated uh, by platforms. Um, So um, uh, this is not unproblematic. Um, There are uh, platforms that already um, assumed a very similar approach. Uh, So kind of free speech, maximalist, uh, everything that is legal, 
with present on our platform approach. Uh, for instance, 8chan or Gab are, are, are some of those uh, platforms that, that did just that. And uh, well, we all know um, where did they end up, right? And uh, for those who don't, um, well, they, they, they essentially uh, significantly contributed to radicalization and the spread of um, misinformation um, and in some extreme cases even to um, offline very real violence. Right. Uh, and how, how in your view the decision on, uh, on the moderation on so of the content on social media should be, should be made? Who should make decision to take down the content and on what grounds? What, what would be the optimal solution and not just the Twitter case, I think people are usually more concerned with Facebook, but uh, what would be your recommendation? Look, this is again, um, a, a, you're asking very complex questions to which I, I, I assume I, there are no simple answers, um, but uh, I can give you a sense of uh, the, the sort of direction I would think would be um, quite useful. Um, so um, I, think that, I think a short answer to your previous question on what we've know about what Elon Musk will do with Twitter is that we don't know, right? Um, and that itself is quite problematic because we are now, um, after this um, Twitter buyout, in a situation where um, four of the most significant communication platforms globally are in the hands of two individuals, two billionaires. So Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. And this itself, I think, is a situation that, um, well, um, perhaps is not the proudest day for anyone who is concerned with, with free speech, um, because it just means that um, decisions, uh, kind of life-changing decisions about what um, are the boundaries of free speech, what kind of content we allow on platforms, is taken by individuals, uh, by two individuals without any significant scrutiny, right? So. Answering your second question, what um, rules for content moderation? I think um, the solutions are to be found um, in some sort of um, digital public infrastructure models, um, not very much unlike of um, what uh, BBC um, used to be for um, the um, uh, well television. Um, so I'm trying to uh, think of models where there is transparency, there is accountability, there, there are um, recourse mechanisms. Um, this is where um, I would look for solutions and um, Twitter buyout by Musk is um, taking us further away from those solutions. So you believe that uh, the, the, the Twitter currently at this, at this moment would uh, with with kind of less concentrated power because it's because it's it's well it's on the stock market right so you think that it brings more responsibility and less concentration so therefore it's better for uh, well I know free speech and transparency because it seems that Twitter already has a lot of problems with yes. fake accounts fake news spreading the misinformation, spreading lies. Even decision to, to cancel the, the, the account of Donald Trump was very much disputed. So don't you think that perhaps having like one individual held responsible could be a step forward, especially if he subscribes to some certain rules that he might self-impose? Or do you think that it really has to be a step back? 
Well, uh, it is uh, quite surprising to hear a question framed like this from a liberal. Um, but um, I, I would that I would say that uh, you know power corrupts, uh, absolute corrupts, absolute power um, well corrupts uh, even further, right? So um, I would say um, that um, um, of course uh, we can assume that um, Elon may try to um, amend some of the. Um, misdeeds or um, flaws of, of, of uh, Twitter, and, and Twitter wasn't perfect. But I, I do think that um, uh, some sort of democratic scrutiny is something that we could um, and we should expect um, from um, our co major communication platforms, right? Think of it this way. Um, uh, as, we, as we both know, um, Elon Musk is a very entrepreneurial individual who has his hands in uh, many uh, business endeavors, um, including uh, uh, having significant um, um, business interests in China. Um, so um, some of his uh, factories are production factories are um, uh, placed are based in China. What do you think would happen if Chinese state asked um, uh, Elon Musk uh, whether they could gain access to some bits and pieces of data of people who are critical of uh, Chinese establishment in return uh, being able to operate uh, his, his factories in China. Um, I, I, I don't think uh, there is a clear answer to that, but the very, well, the very case that we have to um, even consider this sort of questions, um, I think is, um, is quite worrying. So uh, how should we, uh, because it's, it's not just a question of Twitter, as you mentioned, so we, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have uh, TikTok, we have YouTube. Uh, th this platform, when it's, uh, it seems that when it's convenient for them, they say they are just the platforms for the users and it is the people's decision and they actually would like to see more regulation because it would tell them how to approach the content decisions. And when it's actually useful for them, they, they try to, uh, they pretend to be the kind of classical media platform. So they make make this kind of uh, unilateral decisions as it was the case with Donald Trump. How should we see their responsibility for the content that is published uh, by the users? Can you imagine that uh, coming kind of like trying to step back into the traditional kind of blogosphere where at least in theory, those who are uh, responsible for the platform are responsible for the for the content. They could be sued, and they are kind of making these decisions on whether they are agree or not agree with certain content that is published. They can be held responsible. Or do you think that actually that would make zero sense because it would completely destroy the uh, business model and the attractiveness for the users if they had to wait for their comments to be accepted by some by some moderators imposed by the by those platforms or perhaps uh, there are other models as you suggested that uh, perhaps there should be some bodies uh, kind of external bodies that make these kind of decisions but in the end it, it should be courts i suppose uh, regulating and deciding on what is within the parameters of the free speech and what is outside of it how, how, how do you think we should approach this complex, extremely powerful, uh, uniquely powerful, I would say, in the, in the history of the mankind platforms? 
a social media platform especially? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I think there are no um, kind of one size fits all global solutions as, uh, you know, uh, it's not that cybersphere is uh, in, immune to um, cultural differences, right? And those are, uh, the, those are plenty, those are, those are abound. Um, there are countries that uh, try to um, fiddle with um, with um, regulation of um, harmful speech that is technically legal, right? Or trying to extend the boundaries of what is legal and what is illegal. Um, but uh, so uh, so and those include, for instance, Network Enforcement Act in Germany or Online Harms Bill in the UK. But those are pro problematic too um, because they. Um, uh, they are coming from a position of trying to protect vulnerable uh, populations, um, but uh, at times can come across as, well, limiting, limiting the rights of populations and, um, well, even uh, maybe having sem semi-authoritarian uh, effects. But um, I think uh, more to your point, um, well, the, the, the two, there are two major problems with content moderation, right? One is that, um, well, the, the way it is done, it is done either by humans or it is done by the machines, right? Um, it is uh, virtually impossible to throw as, as many humans as possible at the problem um, to do it um, well and do it live. And even if you do, um, you end up with um, situations such as the famous case of, um, um, of well, gatekeepers from YouTube um, who would often be employed for pennies in um, developing countries um, and would be tasked with uh, watching absolutely horrific content um, on YouTube such as beheadings or uh, rapes um, uh, so that um, uh, it doesn't land on the platform. And then the second, um, well, solution um, uh, that companies and platforms fiddle with is the use of automation, right? So um, using some of the various um, advanced tools to um, uh, detect uh, things that they would consider unwelcome on the platforms, um, be it, for instance, hate speech or be it um, terrorist content or, or be it uh, things that are obscene or, or violent, right? Um, and, and here platforms would use um, textual rep, rep recognition or image recognition, etc. The problem with the second solution is that it is um, consistently imprecise. Um, so um, it, it's not very good at detecting things that shouldn't be on the platform, whereas it, it suppresses um, um, uh, speech uh, uh, elsewhere, uh, essentially flagging things that are, for instance, um, comedy or irony, etc., etc. So there's no good solution. Um, but um, I think, um, uh, needless to say, that um, the platforms are not neutral um, uh, because they are not just uh, con conveyor belts for whatever we um, post online. There is a, there is there is obviously a a huge amount of curation uh, going on, right? But to your question on uh, business models, um, I think business models is something that I'm least um, worried about because the current business model is essentially, um, you know, kind of weaponizing our attention and, and trading our data in, um, in exchange for ads um, that are, uh, well, um, sometimes they, maybe they are useful, but um, 
uh, whether they have um, wider social benefits, I, I don't I don't know. Another big question, uh, so I'll warn you, uh, do, do you think that uh, social media platforms are compatible with liberal democracy? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I have an answer to that either, um, whether they are compatible with liberal democracy. Well, perhaps, perhaps um, not the way they are designed right now, right? Where uh, where they are driven uh, predominantly by profit and uh, their ownership and governance is very concentrated. Um, I think I think there is a number of concerns one one can raise um, that would deem their them incompatible, right? The lack of democratic oversight, the um, secrecy uh, makes it almost impossible for um, civil society or researchers to exercise any sort of scrutiny over um, how our information space is being curated. I think these are um, some of the ma main concerns one one could have. So, Shoshana Zuboff, among many others, made this argument of, well, very dangerous, self-sustained capitalist models based on the surveillance and actually shaping our decisions before they are really consciously made. One can make an argument that actually it's hard to speak of you know, free decisions, choice and free will with this kind of manipulation that is possible through the uh, social media. What do you think we should, as enlightened public, let's say, uh, at least in theory, uh, should make about the future of these platforms? Do you think they should be, you know, broken, treated as a monopolies which are dangerous for democracy, uh, as there are many proofs they are? Or do you think that it is possible to approach them in the more kind of traditional way? Or perhaps you are optimistic about the Digital Services Act and the, the regulation, for example, that that you is proposing. What? How do you how do you see this complex issue of the future and 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 possible ways out? Yeah. Look. So, um, of course, uh, Shoshana Zuboff's uh, book is a critique, but there is also a very well established uh, critique of her critique. <laughs> uh, so, hmm. essentially, um, what um, many scholars are concerned with is that um, when Shoshana Zuboff um, writes about surveillance capitalism um, she focuses very much about the former about surveillance um, and less so about the latter uh, that is capitalism so i think you know um, a big question you ask is whether um, this late stage capital global capitalism that we are living in is compatible with liberal democracy right whether this sort of um, uh, concentration of power um, this sort of social ranking um, weaponization of our attention and uh, attempts at monetizing um, any social interaction, whether this is really um, a optimal space to exercise our rights, to, um, to exercise democracy. Um, so um, I think what I see um, happening is that um, there's obviously a lot of um, things in the pipeline, uh, in the kind of, let's say, regulatory pipeline, um, trying to um, make sure that we um, tackle some of those um, issues with um, with our infosphere governance, uh, be it through uh, the Digital Services Act that you mentioned or, or AI Act, um, etc. But I think um, 
well, I wouldn't want to say this is just scratching the surface, right? But um, uh, some most interesting debates to come will actually try to challenge also uh, the concentration of power um, in a fundamental way. So um, would be coming from the positions of of antitrust and um, and competition law. And since we are getting to to, to the end of, of our um, of our podcast, I would like to ask you just two more questions. So one is that technical optimists, if there are still some, make an argument that especially um, the, the Western world, US, EU, should focus more on trying to be innovative, especially in the areas such as NI that you mentioned, because China and perhaps the, the other powers won't wait. And if we don't arm up on our sides, uh, let's say they, they will, and we will lose the global competition. It will be, well, subjugated uh, to, to the will and power in some way. Uh, do you think that there is some credibility in those warnings or do you think that this is a false choice between the innovation and democracy, privacy and responsibility? How, how do you how do you take on this this kind of arguments? Yeah, so I think I do think it's a it's a false dichotomy and it's a it's a very old school kind of 20th century um, you know, great power struggle um, framing. I'm not very fond of it. Um, I would say I would say that um, you know, um, innovation of course is important, but I think it's more important to think to to what end, right? Um, is it that what we're what kind of state of the world we are trying to approximate or perpetuate? Is it about constant growth? Um, is it about um, well, global domination, or is it uh, perhaps uh, about uh, sustaining life on the planet, right? And um, trying to amend our um, goal setting to account uh, uh, for to the to the you know depth of the of the climate crisis that we're in, right? And needless to say that um, you know solutions of today won't solve the problems of tomorrow, uh, but uh, it seems to me that we haven't really tackled very well uh, the problems of yesterday just yet. All right, and uh, the, the very last question. General Lanier asked us to delete our social media accounts right now. Do you think this is the basically the only solution or there are other ways to, to engage responsibly? Like what on the kind of personal individual basis you can do to try to to uh, make the situation better, at least for yourself and your immediate, uh, well, uh, social circle, and and the kind of follow up on this. How do you see that algorithms and 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 these platforms are are changing and will be changing the society in the in the near future? Yeah. So this one is is the hard one, right? Because um, I think um, our uh, infosphere um, is just so entrenched or enmeshed. Um, with uh, majoritarian powers, majoritarian social media platforms, that any sort of um, uh, appeals to um, to resist or to exit those platforms is a uh, is coming from the position of privilege, right? Um, it is an enormous privilege be able to sustain your social networks um, uh, without the mediation of those. Uh, free social media platforms and not everyone can um, afford it uh, just as this also has become a way of um, attracting labor and making your livelihood. 
but um, somewhere where I see the most potential is um, in the sphere of uh, interoperability, right? So trying to um, make the cost of moving your business, your data, your everyday online presence from those predatory freemium platforms that dominate the market right now to others uh, that just yet not exist, uh, but will emerge once this uh, regulatory infrastructure exists that would make it easy for us to move. Um, very similarly to how you're able to um, subscribe to, uh, to any mobile network, but uh, text each other between the networks uh, without any loss of, of data or convenience. So this is this is what I see happening over the next few years, and this is what I think is quite promising. Okay, and and the 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 future of of or the presence uh, and the future of of society transformed through algorithms. Do you, how how do you think that it, it's going to evolve, seeing the current trends? Yeah. So look, unless we unless we um, challenge the foundations of uh, existing. Uh, business models that in most cases are uh, concerned with maximizing our time on the platforms uh, regardless of the quality of this time or maximize sharing of content regardless of the quality of that content, then I think the future uh, is looking quite grim um, uh, because uh, we've already seen how this uh, interconnectedness of content creation and consumption consumption has quite grave uh, consequences for the sphere of politics, for instance, how it can undermine democratic electoral uh, processes, how it can um, shape and give platform to anti-scientific um, views um, in the wake of a global pandemic. Um, so um, unless we do our best to try to challenge those business models that allowed that, um, I think uh, we are we are in for a quite an unpleasant surprise going forward. Okay, I think this is well, it's a good it's a good place to end. Uh, Maciej Kuziemski, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Sorry, to, sorry to be a doomer. Thank you, Lesh. <laughs> thank you much. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share and give us a 5-star review. You will hear from me soon. Until then, please listen to Liberal Europe podcast next week with Ricardo Silvestro.